Hello everyone and welcome to episode 67 of TNS. We are really rinsing out these episodes at the moment. We've had a lot of good ones in series 3. Obviously series 2 focused solely on racism and it was just myself presenting. But for season 3 we've had an eclectic mix of guests tackling you know, all manner of things. We've, we've spoken about food, we've spoken about body dysmorphia we've spoken about setting up your own business you know so many good chats uh, in there and i've really really enjoyed it um and today we've got another very significant conversation uh, i've been planning this for a while actually and so i'm joined by alex grant for this conversation uh, it's very brave of him to join um so alex has recently come out as, as gay uh, opening up to his family and his friends and, and for him that was a, a momentous occasion you know emotional um, something he's been thinking about doing for for some time so it's very good of him to come on and have this very open discussion about his feelings um, and we tackle a lot of things you know the first 15 to 20 minutes he tells his personal tale um, you know and I, I don't really ask too many questions with that I think it's really important that we just listen to what it's like you know, and how difficult it can be uh, to come out in this society that we live in. And we don't want it to continue to be like that. We've got to st- keep pushing against the rampant homophobia that is apparent in sections of our society. You know, in so many articles that you can go and read yourself online, um, there's been a surge in, in homophobic, transphobic hate crimes in England and Wales. Um, this decade, which is a very worrying um, thing to read, isn't it? Um, But yeah, so this convo, as I say, Alex goes through his personal story, which is recently coming out as gay to his family and his friends, um, and we try and tackle wider issues as well as as to why it's so difficult to come out um, and why there is such rampant homophobia, as I say. Um, We talk about negative stereotyping, Uh, the public representation of homosexuals. We talk about religion and and the social conservatism, which is apparent in many religions around the world. Um, And just identity, you know, feeling whole. So yeah, look, it's a fantastic conversation. It's a really important conversation. So thank you so much to Alex for doing this with me. Um, Just two quick things, obviously, if you are enjoying listening to TNS and you have an iPhone, then if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review, it really helps us to grow in the charts and get our message out to as many people as possible. And the other thing is also go and check out our blog, www.tnsblog.com. Uh, getting a guest blog out every week on all manner of topics. Um, and I also try and get content out a lot as well. seems to be a very popular platform at the moment, so yeah, if you're enjoying it already, then I'm glad, and if you haven't had a chance to look yet, then go and check that out, I'm sure. You will find something that you enjoy, but without further ado, I bring you today's conversation. Alex, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for having me. I think it's a podcast has tackled big issues and racism and stuff, and it's it's it's, it's an important one to get out there. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and and thank you for for coming on with me today. I know you know it's, it's very brave of you to to do that. I know it shouldn't be, but it's still uh, you know seen as that. Yeah, it's just the way it is, isn't it? I think 
yeah. if, I, if I, I owe it to myself to come on a bit and I owe it to people to uh, hear about my story because it might help somebody. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, with that in mind, actually, I, I guess the best place to start this conversation would be, could you tell us a little bit about... You know, coming out in the past few weeks. I know, I know, it has been a recent. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, all right, so we can we can do the whole story. You sort of find out, and because people, one of the big questions is, well, how do you know? Do you know what I mean? Or did something go wrong? Kind of when you hit puberty. So I'd say around second year seniors, fourteen, whatever. Um, you hit puberty, and you kind of go one way or the other. Now you assume you're going to go the way that most people go, which is the heterosexual way, um, and you sort of. So I remember being at a sleepover and it's the first time and they were putting certain images on, we can say. Um, and that's the first time I'd ever seen anything of that nature. I, um, I then, you know, go home and I, you realise the only images of men is for you, really. I think that's the most politically correct way I can word it. And, um, and then it sort of comes a battle in your head for the next five years. I kind of mark going into upper six as the point where you feel like the battle's over and it's kind of like tomorrow I'll look at those pictures of women again and that'll, 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 that'll do it for me. Um, and it's always like, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And you never get around to it. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, I sort of reached going into upper six. I was getting predicted, tough predicted grades as well. And I was thinking uni's around the corner. And um, yeah, I realised I uh, had to do something about it and I had to start the sort of next phase, which is accepting it before I crashed my A-levels. Uh, so it got round, I remember it was, we, we'd go on a family holiday every year with like the grandparents and we're on a cruise going into upper six and I always mark this point of being proper down about it and I remember my grandma was there and my mum was there and they're saying, well, what's the matter? And I played it off as work stress and I knew it wasn't that, um, mm. but you just play it off and um, it was always it was always when I was alone as well because I don't know, maybe in my head I sort of overthink things but it'd be when I closed the door um, on a Sunday after sort of Sunday dinner or whatever it always proper hit me then um, so I realised I had to do something about it um, sort of cascading towards A-levels uh, it's April and um, I get a, a mate round I went for a guy mate as well um, maybe to break the stereotype a bit of just you know, being the stereotypical gay best friend and telling the girl because I do have more well about even now because of uni but before that I had more girl mates at the time yeah, yeah. so I um, so I told him and he said and these people will know who they are if they're listening said and this was coming from like a football lad as well which is important because it wasn't coming from someone that's super liberal super accepting super obvious said you were my friend before why would this change that and that's a pretty big turning point for me it was the 11th of April 2018 um, then on the 20th I told my best girl mate after school she took it it was a lot easier that as well after you get the first hurdle out of the way like the first it was horrible I was shaking I felt mm. sick and I also couldn't say the words I should point that out I couldn't say the words I'm gay I was waiting for him I was like guess and then because it was so tense he had to be like um, I've got an idea but I was like do you think it'll offend me and he didn't want to offend me because he was you know if I, I could have told yeah. him I had a terminal illness or something yeah, and then yeah, when yeah, you're yeah, gay I'd yeah. be like you what <laughs> um, but like <laughs> Yeah, he was. Um, he uh, he guessed it right, and uh, and this is one thing I'd say to gay people listening who are like, "Oh, I'm never going to come out." And I've spoken to people that have said that. You like it's weird. You know in yourself when you're ready. Um, and I knew I was ready. I knew I would be ready. So, around my birthday time in 2019, June 2019, I planned for June 2020 to have a big group of friends around, a small gathering party type thing, and tell everyone then. Um, 
the the and because I wanted to tell people, I said there was something I wanted to say, kind of, and I, I made up sort of code names for it, and because I wanted to tell like um, sort of a couple of other friends that I'm living with next year, and I couldn't. Like, I wanted to tell them, but I didn't want to risk it. Um, I particularly, the, one of these, you know, as soon as she has a drink, she's yelling every... Oh, God, do you know what I mean? It would have been a disaster. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I... In the months leading up to... It was August in the end, this party, because of coronavirus, which was so frustrating. Um, and it was only 15 people outdoors, etc., etc. I'd originally planned Saturday, tell everybody. And I, honestly, when I get around to that, there's just weird moments, you know, everyone you know sitting quietly in front of you and it's like, oh my God, everyone from uni, first year uni, second year uni. But yeah, I planned on the Tuesday to tell my immediate family, brother, dad, mum, Thursday to tell the grandparents, which again, there's a big, you know, how's that going to go? But it's a Saturday night and this is a story. Do you know, this, this is, everyone needs to get the popcorn ready for this one. So <laughs> Saturday night, not like the Tuesday at all. Me and my brother are talking about a football game. I, you know, he didn't didn't watch a lot of football. I was kind of taking the taking the pee a bit that he um that uh, he'd got the wrong incident and it escalated quickly and he got embarrassed and he got all flustered and he started mm. swearing at me or whatever. It's just a petty brotherly argument. Um, anyway, so he starts swearing and one of the things he says, um, which because I could, you know, what I mean, if someone's swearing at me, it's not gonna, it's not the end of the world. But then he said, "Fag," and um, here's the thing. There was um, one time, um, I may have left a website open on an iPad. Right. Um, and so, I um, at the time, I, I was like, I realised, because he'd, he'd hinted at it, what had happened. After we'd had that argument on that Sunday, and he walked out and said, fag, I thought, maybe for a second, I thought maybe he's actually being genuinely homophobic. So it struck a nerve. Um and then, so I hit him with his insecurity, and he was always insecure about his weight as younger. My granddad called him when he was about three, a little fat bastard. And that, stuck from with there, him. it stuck with him, which yeah. is so like, it's mad how it sticks. But um, he, uh, yeah. So I hit him where it hurt, because he'd hit me where it hurt. And then it escalated and escalated. And ended up almost physical, like, to the point where, you know, my dad was down, and it had to be... Anyway, we're talking about it afterwards. And I'm basically getting the brunt of this to saying look Alex you hit him where it hurt you struck a nerve with him you um insulted the thing that he cared about he just had a throwaway line to you and it the intensity was so high and the emotion at this point because we just had almost a physical fight like um and so I uh so then like I went very calm very quiet and like everything sort of goes quiet around you because I knew what I had to do it sort of happened for a reason that and I said, like, calmly, like, well, the reason being called a fag hurt is because I'm gay. And then all of a sudden, like, I'll tell you what, that's how you win an argument. Like, it, it turned everyone's, uh, it turned, the whole atmosphere went from very angry and hostile. And you did this, you did this, you said that, you did this. To all of a sudden, where all of a sudden everyone's looking at me. And um, my brother started, and I started crying. I'm not going to lie, I haven't cried in years. But I started, I don't know why. Probably because the emotions were so high and I was scared. And I what, think you're allowed to cry yeah. at such an emotional moment in it your was, life. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was absolutely mental. And then my brother started crying, which just makes it even worse. And like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because I think he felt he forced me out there in that mm. position. Which I hadn't. I'd do two days, do you know what I mean? I'd waited for five, six years. And um, then my sort of, my mum came over. It's all right. And I looked at my dad. Now, it's always the father-son one of these that's a mm. bit... Uh, a bit, you know, a bit, you never know what's going to go. And um, he sort of looked, he was looking down, sort of had his like 
hand over his jaw, um, crossed leg, and I was thinking, I sort of looked, and like he sort of made eye contact with me, and he was like, honestly, it, it's fine, it's okay, it's fine, it's okay, um, and then like my mum went and sat down, and he started crying. Now I've ne- I didn't like, do you know what I mean? He's not an emotional type. I didn't know he had emotions. He's like a robot, um, and uh, all of a sudden this it was so surreal, and he came over and like sort of awkwardly kissed me on like the neck or so it was like right okay you can sit back down um but the weirdest thing was my dad and brother i knew my brother would be fine he's super liberal you know if my grandma says anything that's slightly out of line slightly racist slightly homophobic he'll jump in you know yeah whereas um and uh, my dad was my dad's not bothered my dad's coping mechanism was very name random gay people he can think of like, well, <laughs> there was Mitch and Cam from Modern Family he's like yeah yeah and yeah, 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 you know yeah, there was yeah. Oscar Wilde he was, was like, right. way of trying he to was trying I'm never gonna I, I mean, mean, it's not necessarily what you want but he's yeah no, as long as he's trying to be engaging in his, in his head because people yeah. sometimes get annoyed straight away they'll go so when did you choose to do this and you think oh it's not a choice but as long as they're being positive you can't police people because that's just that's, mental yeah. But then we get round um, to my mum. Now, my mum has been supportive. Um, she's been understanding by one meaning of the word, but she doesn't understand, right, by the other meaning of the word. Um, so often I get weird questions like, um, not often, but occasionally if we're talking about it, um, she'll go, uh, well, you, um, I'm not sure how gay you actually are because you don't show... You know, you don't show, like, almost like the symptoms. I was thinking, bloody hell, like, the what, what symptoms? Like, well, because you're saying, well... Because I, I, um, I have a gay mate who I'm out on Tinder, never anything more than a mate, but, like, he'd met my mum, and he's more um, flamboyant, more feminine. And, well, and she was like, well, you're not like that. Um, you know, you, you're into... Well, not playing sport, like, look at me, but you're into watching sport. And um, it's kind of like, you know, if you're... Not all Americans are fat. Not all old people are senile. Um, it's kind. Of, do you know what I mean? So she she didn't. She she's she didn't react around, in the way that you were. Yeah. To be fair, overall I can't complain. Like it wasn't like outwardly all, like no. Yeah. It was, it, well, it was all positive. It. And also I think she just she thinks back at uni. She was like, well, back at uni, all the the rugby boys did this gay bashing where they'd pretend to be into one of the gays and beat them up. I was thinking, do you know what I mean? These are different times. Um, yeah. So then we get around to the grandparents. So easy. Like, easier than I think 99% of people have with the grandparents. Walk that. Um, their coping mechanism was just, well, I knew this window cleaner once, and he was he was very gay, but, you mm. know, he was very nice. So I can thank the gays of the past for being nice to my grandparents because it's reinforced a good message. And then we get around to the birthday. Um, terrifying, like, crippling nerves. Um is this to tell your friends? Yeah, yeah, this is everyone else. So this was I'd masked it as a birthday party. My birthday was in June. Um, really, it was a coming out party type thing. Everything was ready. Um, any food had been prepared. Playlist was ready. Terrifying. Um, everyone gets there, and I kind of didn't want the last people to arrive. It's like, so I can just wait, I can wait, I can wait. Um, I kind of hinted to everyone that something was coming. Um, so like everyone knew to go in. And also the four people that knew at this point made up what nearly a third of the, of, of the guests. So they kind of sat everyone down as well. And then I started a speech. And this is one thing, another tip to any gay people. The first one is you'll know when you're ready. The second thing is plan a speech. Because, and this is particularly with the first lad I told, where it's such a flustering and frightening and stomach-churning situation coming out for the first time or coming out to a large group like this, that practice a speech, rehearse a speech, so that way you get everything in you want. Like, um, And I'd practice a speech for the better part of a year. 
to be honest. Like whenever I was alone or in the shower or just bored, like just go over it again and again. I'd planned it like so hard. That's why coronavirus was such a pain in the ass. And like um, everyone was sat there. I did the speech and then I got to the bit um, and I was I was able to say it. I said, so I'm gay. And um, then sort of no one said anything. So I sort of kept talking and I was like, um, and eventually um, my first year uni mate, um, he cut me off and was like, oh, well done, mate. Because he could tell I was kind of like, oh, someone say something. Um, and then everyone sort of clapped and hugs all around. And it was a proper happy ending, I think. And uh, that... I haven't had a single issue with any of them. I mean, I haven't told certain mates. I didn't invite certain mates. I was careful. Um, but so far, I've pretty much had a full house in uh, coming out, which is not a luxury that everyone gets. No. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to say to, you know, my most avid listeners, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm staying a lot quieter is just because it's very important that people just genuinely listen to yeah, your... Ind- no, no, no. It's very important that people listen to your individual story with this because... You know, there's a lot that we're going to take from what you've just said, but I don't want to, you know, butt in. Now oh, this is a very big moment for you. And what I what I actually want to put to you is, as my first sort of question from this is, how far away do you think we are as a society, especially in the UK, obviously, from where it would just be sort of completely accepted without this level of thought? Um, that you've obviously had to put in and, and a lot of other people have to put in to, to coming out to family and friends. Do you think we're actually a long way away from just complete acceptance without having to do that? Well, so there's two big societal issues. Um, one of them is representation. The other one's religion. Um, and these are the two things that are going to get in the way. Now, a girl said to me on my birthday, um, a girl who I was in A-level history with, she said, you know, hopefully in 50 years, people will just be able to bring a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, home, and um, no one will think twice about it. And I mean, the education reforms that are taking place now, LGBT lessons do have to go into um, all, I don't know if it's secondary or primary schools, but I know they are in the curriculum now, which is important, because um, it just normalizes it. There was a lot of resistance in Birmingham to the imposition of LGBT representation um, in in education. And they're saying, you know, I, I don't want, you know, it'll confuse them. Even my mum will say, like, I don't know if it's too too early. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, they're not saying how gay people have sex. They're saying, if you meet another kid and they've got two dads, just be nice to them the same way you would if they had one mum or, mm. or an interracial parent or something like that. And um, that's all they're saying. But two big issues need to be tackled. The first one's representation. Um... So if you think of a sort of 15-year-old boy or girl, first gay person they'll probably think of at that sort of age is your James Charles, is your Jeffree Stars, your makeup YouTubers, because they've got millions and millions of followers. They're huge on Instagram, things like that. Now, I am not saying that representation... I'm not... I need to be really careful what I say because I want to get across what I mean. I'm not good with this sort of thing. But when you've got... People should be... The LGBT is about people being able to do whatever they want. Mm. Look however they want, speak however they want, shag whoever they want, right? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And love whoever they want, most importantly. Um, I like how you put shag in front of them. I was like, I was like and, and love, that's important, that's important. So I'll get onto that, I'll get onto that mess. There's a lot of issues with um, sex before love in the, in the gay world. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a bit. But um, yeah, the thing is, you've got these big makeup YouTubers, they'll be the first person you think of. If you're a little bit older, you might think of Alan Carr, you might think of Ryland, the joke act from X Factor, who's quite done a good job to make a career out of it. Um, there's very, I mean, Philip Schofield, maybe. There's very few 
presenters in the media that are presenters that are gay rather than gay presenters. Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, it's the representation is of always the different type. So I don't think, and within the gay world, I wouldn't be considered feminine, but like, it's important there's feminine representation, but now there's only feminine representation, and that's going to make people resist it because people resist what's different. You're right. Do you think you're measured against this stereotype that people have? Well, this is the thing. This is heads. what my mum was like. Mm. She was like, "Well, you're not feminine. So how can you be? How can you be gay?" And this is what we're saying about, and uh, you know, before we talk about football. The day a big footballer comes out, it will be hell for their career. It really will be when it comes to fans, distractions. Imagine if they're a penalty taker and they're getting faggot yelled at them. But it will also be such a huge turning point because, as you say, football culture, working class, upper class, middle class, it'll penetrate. And if the bigger the the star, if you get a Rashford or a Sterling, I mean, you've seen how Sterling runs. If you get a Rashford or a Sterling, all of a sudden, you know what I mean, you're... um, That'll be that'd be huge. It's a player of that, a Sancho, a player of that caliber. It's interesting you said that about Sterling because I thought you said we're not supposed to stereotype people. That's what, don't put me on the spot. I can make I can say I can make a joke. I can say faggot. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you, you make you know really important points, and I think you know it's pretty disgusting the rampant homophobia that we have. You know, and we like to pretend that we don't have again. You know, we're very good at doing that in the UK, aren't we? We just pretend that it's not a thing. But I think it is intrinsically linked to football culture. Um, I do, and maybe other things as well. And I know that's just one strand of it, but I'm saying that I do think it plays a really big role um, in our culture. Well, this is the thing. I'm doing my dissertation on gay history again. It's one of these. I owe it to myself. It's like the reason I'm on here and. Um, I owe it to other gay people that are in a less fortunate position than me. Um, and so I've, I've, I've done a lot of reading on it already. And it does date back quite religiously. If you look at this country as a Christian country, here's my argument. Um, so if you've got, um, you've got religion, you've got homosexuality. Homosexuality, I can tell you, is not a choice. Like, a lot of people don't seem to wrap their heads around it. It's not a choice. Mm. Even if, and now a lot of gay people will go... You know, I was born this way. And it's it's not like that. I don't think... I think there are environmental factors. I think there are subconscious and subliminal things that go on in the sort of prepubescent years. Like, I'd never say, I was definitely born this way. I was born, I think, with an ability to be gay and it was kind of activated. That's how I think about it. That's quite interesting, though. I just want to, I just want to stop you there because that is a very, very interesting point in itself because, obviously... You know, nature versus nurture debate is only something that I've read about. I don't understand it myself like you do, of course, but... But yeah, I don't know. I'd, 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 I've always thought that maybe you are born gay from, you know, um, speaking to people uh, about it. But you said I think they'd want to say that. Like, I've, the amount of gay lads, like as I mentioned again, that mate um, that my mum met the other day. Uh, I mean, maybe nine, ta- nine out of ten, maybe on. I think that's a bit high. Six out of ten, let's say, gay people that I've met on Tinder or whatever might, for example, have lost um, a father, or they might have run off or something like that there's often that or there's um there's issues with trauma like the thing is is like i don't these are all very negative things that never happened to me but i think there are often things that can switch things in the brain and i'm no scientist and i'm not speaking from a scientific standpoint but i'm saying from the people i've met the people i've spoken to maybe um there are some subliminal and some people that came naturally because i've looked at it and my mum spent ages thinking about it 
upset. So what have I done? What have I said? And I literally, I'm trying to think. If I knew, I'd tell you. But like, if I, or not, you don't know. But if I could come up with this reason why maybe something clicked differently, yeah. But um, I couldn't. So it's. I think it's just. No, I mean it's just it's a it's a really interesting thing and a really important conversation because. You know, I just feel like you touched on religion. I, I do want to take this conversation there because I think it's important that we do that. Homosexuality for most religions around the world is incompatible with their faith. And does that... I mean, I don't know too much about every religion in the world, but is that because of what they believe it is? What they believe it is a sin in most, but is well, it nature, nur- nurture in, in those religions? What is it? I can case study Christianity because that's the one that I've the most reading about because it's about this country and um, that's what my dissertation is going to be on. Um, it's going to be on 1967, I think, which is when homosexuality is decriminalised but at the same time there's lots of legal loopholes that still make it increasingly suppressed and whilst at the meantime it kills a lot of gay underground culture because it's only allowed behind closed doors but that's for another day. Um, Christianity... <laughs> Before Christ, you have ancient Greece, ancient Rome, where men are shagging men all the time. It's a cultural thing that men are superior to women in ancient Rome. So therefore, as a business thing, you know, you go to the, um, what they call, not the showers, the baths. Yeah, the baths. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that's, where they, that's where they do it. Um, so historically, BC, um, it's just homosexuality it's just is accepted. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Christianity comes along, and there are a lot of issues I have with this. For example... Um, I think Christianity is a good thing. I think all religions are a good thing for the community, for the charity, for the hope. You know, if you're a 90-year-old woman on your last legs, you think, I might be going to see my ex-man in heaven or I'll be going to eternal blackness. You know, which one are you going to have hope for? So I think it's positive. But at the same time, I think it's negative when it doesn't... I mean, Jesus, love thy neighbour. Quakers will tell you that that's how it should be interpreted and you should love everybody. That's good. That's positive. When you get... stricter interpretations which they are interpretations that's important that shows the ambiguity of religion and that they can clash so heavily um then it becomes a problem so the bible changed by nearly every monarch ever you look at um a bit of a-level history james the first it's a protestant bible then charles takes over and it's a very spanish-esque quasi-catholic armenian bible they're complete opposites i mean there were wars in england over well in james james's not james charles's time between Catholics and Protestants because mm. they were such opposite views mm. and the Bible is changed accordingly to get their agenda across um, not only that there's translations from different languages and mistranslations more importantly then there are deliberate mistranslations so 1947 Germany um, they've lost a lot of men in the war um, it used to say in the Bible man shall not lie with a, a child or something of that nature because you know um, to attack paedophilia um, and they changed it to a man should not lie with another man because that's population control. It gets your gets your population back up after losing so many soldiers. And people will... Is that, is that true? Is I that think true? so. I think right. so. From yeah. what I've read, that's true. But at least for Germany. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I am... Um, you know, different sources will tell you different things, but I'm quite confident it's true. Yeah. No divine being wrote the Bible. It was written by men, edited by men, with an agenda at the time. Homosexuality, as I said before, is not a choice. So then we go to America. You've got the wedding cake case. Um, 2000 something, it's past 2010 um, might be like 2015, 16 time um, two gay men walk into a bakery they say we want a, a wedding cake you know with a, a gay topper yeah. etc um, and they go no we're Christian uh, we, believe, we don't believe in that our right to religion trumps you and it goes all the way up the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, and they say the right to religion wins and there they are on Sky News giving out cupcakes celebrating that they've won and to me, that is 
literally a book written, mistranslated, edited by men with an agenda, trumping what I can tell you, whether environmental, whether natural, probably a combination of both, biology. So you've got a book, which I'm not going to say is fictional, but it's from human minds. You know I mean, it's not scientific. It's trumping biology. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. how does this happen? And that's the problem with religion. Yeah. Um, and it's the problem with lasting religion. And um, this is what I was going to say about... Um, and I don't think, because you made the argument the other day, you're like, well, maybe it's less educated countries, less funding. Um, therefore, you know, they're not as advanced scientifically, so they're going to stand by the religion. Yeah, for the next, I don't know, however so many years. Yeah. That's just because, you know, obviously the British went and destroyed all the planet. And yeah. that's obviously for another time as well. But, yeah, that's, that's for a different, but as in, that's a different conversation. You know, that, that's sort of how you can view some countries around the world, which is that they've uh, just not come across the, the same ideas necessarily or not quite yet. However, uh, much of the Western however world a lot of highly funded countries, in fact, some of the highest GDP per capita in the world, um, countries like Saudi Arabia, countries like um, Qatar, countries like the United Arab Emirates, they're the countries that still have the death penalty in place. And it's, so it can't, I don't know how much it comes down to funding. I don't know where the problem lies hmm. because the death penalty still exists in Nigeria, which is a predominantly Christian country. It's the only Christian country that still does that um, as, a, as a caveat. But I'm trying to think where, like, I've got a list on my phone. I'll read all these. are all, This is me doing my research for this. Hmm. All the countries in the world that are... Um, what, that have the death penalty? Yeah. Is this? There's, yeah. there's not for as for being homosexual. Yeah. So you've got Afghanistan, Brunei, Iran. Then there's a country called like Mauritania. Yeah, Mauritania. Yeah, Yeah, there it is. North African country. Nigeria, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, United Arab Emirates, and Yemen. That's according to humandignitytrust.org. And those countries, um, as I say, one's Christian, the majority are Islamic. I'm trying to think, is it down to funding and lack of money? Because some of those countries are really rich. Some of those countries are really poor. Mm. Um, and also, then you peel off another layer and it's life imprisonment. And there's a lot of the post-colonial countries, a lot of the sort of um, African countries that used to be British that have only recently stepped away from that. Um, and I do think it probably is down to funding a bit. I think out of those countries, the ones where the death penalty will go will be the Qatars, the United Arab Emirates, uh, yeah. the Saudi Arabia, because they will technologically, you know, like they're Saudi Arabia at the moment are going to go in a massive... Um, like they're trying to westernize big time and they're paying big companies, UFC, WWE, to do annual shows because they're trying to incorporate Western culture. So that will move on first, I think. So I do think it does come down to the education, but it's kind of like how much, and I don't have an answer for that. Well, you've raised a lot of big points there. That's why I was trying to listen to, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So like, you know, I take issue with... Um, all religions pretty much not you know not to the point where i'd be like why are you religious but just for me personally you know socio-conservatism is a is a major strand of of most religions that we know um which would by sort of default mean that many people uh, now who view themselves um either as homosexual or you know in their religions if you're seen as the other basically yeah. they are they will oppress you there's also problems with abortions well this is it yeah and... so many things so they they will oppress you you know because there is this idea of the other and they are inherently socially very conservative but i don't take issue with one religion at all it's across the board yeah. i think people actually really forget a bit too much of me how in america how oppressive they are 
And that is a deeply Christian country, okay? I'm not saying all. In fact, I think it's really important that we say that. I think that there are just some circles that are deeply conservative. There are some that are you know, very, very liberal, I'm sure. Certain but states, it, I think, Does well. it give... Yeah, certain states, but does it give rise? My worry is, does it give rise? Is there a form of extremism that can be taken from any sort of religion because it inherently creates the other? Uh, it's, it's a loaded question, that, isn't it? I do think, <laughs> thinking of, you know, you think of the, the obvious really radicalised religious group in America that oppresses the KKK. And um, I think, obviously, that stems from religion. And, um, well, we'll say it does. I think it's a, a radical interpretation. The same way that you get, you know, radical IRA Catholics, radical Islam, you know, Islamic terrorists, you, you know, is every religion has the capacity to radicalise doesn't it and that's yeah. probably that's a fair argument for why you'd be against all religions but it's no I'm saying there's no particular religion because it I just want to be careful that's what I'm that saying that's what I'm saying because everyone will always associate and this is one thing that I think is wrong they'll always associate terrorism particularly older people with one religion which is yeah. Islam but if you think like my mum nearly got killed but then you can't do that with homophobia this you is what I'm saying this is what yeah. I'm saying um, the difference is I think Certain. It depends what country it's in. Now, yeah. let me finish that point. So, I, the IRA nearly put a set of nail bomb off in where was it? Manchester Arndale might be yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. My mum was supposed to be in there at that time. So, like, mm. that's Catholic extremism. So, extremism comes from all religions. I think it comes down to the intertwining of state and religion and how intertwined they are. Mm. So, for example, 1945 Germany, as I explained, the state intertwined with religion. You know, they didn't want homosexuals, yeah. it messed the population up. And there are certain countries in the world today that the state and religion are closer intertwined than this country that we're in now, which is why I think we've got so much liberalism and free, free thought as well. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation with regards to religion because I, I don't know how... <sighs> How it can be sort of a, I see it as quite archaic, as you've been saying yourself. You know, um, a lot of people may live their life based upon a book that was written, you know, X amount of years ago. Uh, has that been brought up to date with the current state of the world that that, mo that most of us live in? I'm not so sure about that. Um, well, attitude I think, I think as well, modernization has happened so recently, like. You forget. So the sort of Mark modernity as a history student with the French Revolution, it's the first country that decriminalizes homosexuality during mm. that because they're thinking, well, we're getting rid of religion. So, but really, like, if you think the Industrial Revolution comes in in the 1800s, early 1900s, then there's big wars, like, and then you get the whole American century thing in the, in the 20th century. We haven't really had time to catch up. Do you know what I mean? Religion's been there until really recently. Like, I mean, and like, f credit to. Tony Blair, um, Gordon Brown, they were the ones that passed the big LGBT stuff on civil partnership, bringing down the age of consent to 16, um, the uh, adoption. And they were all the early 2000s. Yeah, and man, then, like, I mean, gay marriage in this country, 2013, that's right? Mad, yeah. People don't. People think whenever... I used to put that in, like, the Christmas quiz, and people would say, oh, 19, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've modernised very quickly. Well, and we're just so good at... This is what I just said before with the UK. We are just so good at pretending that we just don't have to deal with this stuff. Like, we hate to think that we are actually, um, you know, having to, like, 
deal with the fact that we are really homophobic as a country and racist, etc., etc. We just ignore it. It's the worst thing. We don't confront it. We don't say it's a thing. I do think because countries are worse than us as well, it's all it's oh, yeah, as an excuse. We, you know, I don't want to talk about other countries so much. You know, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is because other countries are, are have death penalty or imprisonment, we're like, well, yes, you know, no, we've, you're we've right, got, you're yeah. right, you're right. You, you measure it against that, yeah, which is when it's like, well, we're we're still not okay. We don't, we're not what we need to be. But I just want to bring this convo back again to it's sort of been linking to what we've been saying for the past 10 minutes or so with, with religion but you know there's one thing when you were telling your personal story which was about how you felt quite shocked you felt a little bit on edge didn't you when you were trying to worry about telling people or, or whatever it may be or trying to come to terms with what it is so you know with the idea of identity how you know how important is it that everyone feels because I, I want to talk about, you know, LGBTQ plus as well and how it's expanding. Um, you know, is it not really important that everyone feels like they have alignment, that they have identity, that they feel whole? The only thing that stops people finding an easy identity is the society we live in. And again, I'm not dragging this back. I'm going to talk about it, but the religious ramifications around that society. Um, and like, if society didn't exist or we were in a different ancient Greek society people would have no problem with it. It's only the society we're in that makes it hard. Um, it's, do you know what I mean? I think the reason so many, because my mum's, um, she was talking about, you know, but don't sort of, when it becomes your only personality trait, that's a problem. And I think it is, but I think it's a problem because the reason people have such explosive flamboyant, you know, I'm going to dye my hair this colour, get piercings here and wear gender non-conforming clothes. The reason they do that is because They've been so suppressed by sight, they kind of explode yes. out in yes. a big rainbow of... And, 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 and that's to be expected, isn't yeah, it? Because you have to conform to this sense of normality. You know, you said before, with, with regards to representation and what you might be measured as as a stereotype, you know, I, I find that myself with my sort of minority stereotype by being Asian, you're measured against one yeah. particular stereotype. So if you've been suppressed by society you know, you're going to react in that sort of way, aren't you? You're going to rebel against the norm. That's to be expected. And then then all the um, all the stereotypes in one go explode out. Do you know what mm. I mean? So it's it's kind of like if society wasn't so, um, so suppressing of gay people, then you'd have, uh, I think, a lot less explosive gay people. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There'd just be a lot more people getting on with the business. And I think you need to have as well, I should point out these explosive gay people as I've, I've now termed them. <laughs> like, um, because I think it's important to make, the idea is with social changes, you do have to kind of make people a bit uncomfortable and think, of you know, you've change got, can scare people. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's literally why everything takes so long because mm. people resist it, resist it, resist it. And then it makes it through. Also, it's about making things through government as mm. well. For example, like if you go on TikTok, it's so TikTok. Here we go. It's so surprising. Like um, some of the yesterday, there was some stupid woman, American woman, who's anti-vaccine, anti all this shit, and um, literally preaching homophobia on TikTok. Now, free speech. This is a really interesting debate because oh, yeah. people should have free speech. And I don't want to sound like Katie Hopkins, but. If you can't handle a website, then you need to, you know, just remove yourself from it. But at the same time, TikTok is targeting itself at 12, 13 year olds. You know, Twitter's a bit you're different. You're going to indoctrinate. So kids. the thing is, is if you've got kids on that, and also you're going to confuse kids that are heading in the gay, bisexual, whatever direction. So it's like, well, where does the, the law come in on hate crime? Where does the law come in on censorship? Because it's not censorship. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's, I do. It's I a do. weird line but to try and find. 
to what extent as a society should we be tolerant of intolerant people? That's true. As in that's a genuinely bit of a paradox because I'm with you. I think freedom of speech is is a bastion of democracy and I think once you start to tackle freedom of speech, uh, other things slip away and if it gets into the wrong hands... And then you end up in censorship and you go down a bad path. But with regards to this, if someone is openly homophobic, you should not tolerate that, surely. You know what? I do my best in the comments, but you only get about four lines yeah. on TikTok, so you can't do much of that. Yeah. I don't know TikTok, and I never will, because... No, no, I, no, I was like that, but let me tell you, when you get it, you just... You, no, well, that's probably why I'm... You'll be at it for an hour. It. But no, it's, it's interesting now, because I do think, like, you know, with regards to... If, if you are speaking to someone who is just genuinely against you as an individual and your right to express yourself however you want to... Is it really your role to just be like, yeah, you believe what you want? Surely you can't. Yeah. You can't. It's not. A- Thing is, as if it was a belief, if it's a clash of two different religions, two beliefs, then sometimes you have to be tolerant. But when it comes down to something that is not a belief, it's basic yeah. human like. But I want. I'm going to say biology. So I do like. I never made a choice. That's the one thing you have to stress to anyone that doesn't understand. To anyone of a particularly strict religious background who thinks, oh, they choose. I never made a choice. And her argument, the stupid TikTok woman, was saying. Um, hmm. well it's whether you choose to act on that sin I'm thinking the, yeah, the, we're just... not going back to the bible but again it wasn't a sin until 10 minutes ago and mm. 10 minutes it won't be a sin and certain denominations say it's not a sin so mm, mm, mm. can't be it, it's, a, it's a, I just find it really difficult with people such as that where nothing you will ever say will convince them of of, of their beliefs being incorrect or you know uh, not well thought through. I do think as well, I think the gay community though needs to take accountability for, and this will be I think one of the more controversial things i say, I think there's a few things the gay community should do better that can make environments progressing because yes there are big external problems as I mentioned with representation, with religion, but I think there's a couple of things that I think, oh it's just crap being gay because of this. Um, the second one I'll talk about is that we need to toughen up and, and take less crap. Um, and talk about liberal art being super liberal. And But the first thing I want to talk about is playing up to negative stereotypes. Now, to clarify, big clarification, I'm not talking about femininity or anything like that. That is not a negative stereotype. People need to be able to do and say and whatever they want, as long as you're not hurting anyone. That's what I live by. You do and say whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting people. Um, but... If you think a lot of people are frightened of the LGBT community, mainly because it's tangled up with um, with disease, with the 1980s HIV and AIDS pandemic. Now, if you go and so many, I think actually more gay people will agree with me than I think I'd expect. If you go on Grinder, like it's all so underground. It's all so mm. discreet. It's, you've got, so on Facebook, you've got your relationship status on Grindr. You literally have your HIV status. Like, and when you were last tested, which shows this app is for sex. Like, do you know what I mean? It's if you're on here for, um, if you're on here for like to try and find a relationship, there's no relationship status. So it's literally, it pushes that agenda. And I speak to lads. I mean, there's one lad I, um, I used to know, um, from holidays who found one of these apps speaking to slide his bo- body counts insane like lots of lads are speaking to 30 I'm thinking like how could you be with 30 people you're like 19 mm. do you know what I mean and it's if sometimes I think that negative stereotype of promiscuity that drags on from the underground urinal sex of the 1950s through to the AIDS pandemic of the 1980s like I think sometimes and so many gay people agree with this 
It's just, why can't you just get to know somebody? Well, look, honestly, Alex, I know we've unpicked so much, but I want to say thank you for being so honest. That's all you I know, mean. I know. I think you've got to, don't you? No. Well, honestly, thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And, and listening more than anything, you know, that's what I've wanted to do, um, you know, with your story, because it's so personal. Yeah. Um, so, honestly, thank you right. for coming on. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. I hope that uh, conversation really got you thinking. Uh, I know we touched on, on a lot of different areas uh, in that combo. I know Alex uh, had a lot to say on the matter, and rightly so. Um, so yeah, I hope it really got you thinking in a way that maybe you hadn't done before. I know uh, the points about religion were especially quite moving for myself, and I think it really got me to think about religion in a wider context. Um, especially with regard to how it might deal with uh, homosexuality. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an especially noteworthy section that we touched on. But yeah, Alex was, uh, he was very nervous to do this, obviously going out to a wider audience. Um, it's always a bit nerve-wracking, I suppose, for guests. But I thought he did a great job. He was very honest, which is always uh, the best policy for these types of episodes. But yeah, I really hope it got you thinking. Um, and obviously get in touch with him, get in touch with our uh, social media pages if that episode really resonated with you. So you can catch us on pretty much all social media platforms. So the best place to find us is Instagram. So that's at the naked student underscore. We've got a Twitter page, which is at TNS Podcasts with an S at the end of the podcast there. And we've got a Facebook page, which is The Naked Student, um, which you can just drop us a like. Uh, try and keep all those pages up to date with all the content that we get out. Um, so as I say, you can catch us on there. Uh, and I will be back very soon with a brand new episode.